If you have your Bibles, you guys can open up to the book of Hosea. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, but marriage is it's the most uh, sacred of all of relationships, right? It's the first relationship, human relationship that we see in the scriptures. It's the most personal. It's the most intimate. Uh, I mean, you pour out your heart into the life of another person. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment where when you enter into marriage, you, you go in with an understanding that the person on the opposite side has your best interest, that they are going to love and care for you better than anyone else in this world. You know, they're, they're looking out for you spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Every part of who you are, a marriage says, I'm looking out for you to ultimately, when you get to the point in a marriage where you say, I'm willing to die for the other person, right? That's the level of commitment that marriage is. Now, too often in this world, we know that the bonds of that covenant are often broken and it leaves a lot of heartache and a lot of pain in this world. Well, as we go through the scriptures, again, the prophets uh, constantly are portraying this idea of a broken marriage between God and God's people. He, he often uses the term of adultery to express the waywardness of how God's people have walked away from that covenant of marriage with God. And since, you know, we've been in the garden, we, we've seen the call to Abraham. It's just a downward slope. Again, we're in the divided kingdom now at this point. Uh, and the prophets are on the scene here to keep expressing to God's people, you need to turn back to your one true love. And that's what we're going to see today with the prophet Hosea. Uh, he's going to illustrate God's faithful character and God's love to his people. But he's going to do it in a very unusual uh, and unique circumstance. He's going to take the picture of Hosea's marriage, which really is going to be a broken marriage. And he's going to use that to communicate his heart for his people. That ultimately, he's calling Hosea... To, to take an immoral woman, an unfaithful woman, as his wife. And he says, through that, I'm going to show you who I am. So in Hosea chapter 1, he starts with this, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, Kings of Judah and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. Now, Hosea is speaking to the northern kingdom of Israel. He's speaking to the last four kings of this time period. And then Assyria is going to come and it's going to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and, and he says to Hosea, go, go take an adulterous wife and you're going to start a family. You guys are going to have children. 
And the reason why I'm telling you to do this, because this land is guilty. This land is guilty of the vilest sins that have existed. And I'm going to paint this picture, Hosea, using that marriage for you. Now, in Hosea chapters 1 through 3, that's where we're going to see that marriage picture. Okay? He's going to use that actual historical marriage as a symbolic picture. And chapters 4 through 14 is kind of the reality of what Israel, what God's people have been doing to wander away. So I'm actually going to start, I'm actually going to start in chapter 4. I'm going to lay out specifically what are the sins of God's people. And after we get a sense of what's going on there, then we're going to come back to chapters 1 and 3 to be able to see what exactly God's doing in terms of that marriage. So in Hosea chapter 4, Starting in verse 1, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, there is no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all the bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are all dying. But let no man bring a charge. Let no man excuse another. For your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. You stumble day and night and the prophets stumble with you. I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. The more the priests increase, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glory for something disgraceful. They fed on the sins of my people and relished their wickedness. And it will be like, it will be like people, like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase because they have deserted the Lord. They give themselves to prostitution, to old wine and new, which take away the understanding of my people. They consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hill under oak, poplar, and terebinth, where the shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law to idolatry. So he said, here's the charge, Hosea. This is the charge that you are to bring to my people. They are a wayward, adulterous people. They're unfaithful. They don't acknowledge me. They make no mention of who I am. And they're only bent on sin. They lie, they murder, they cheat, they steal, they're greedy. That's all they are focused on. And you know what? The, the, the more that they engage, the more they continue to stumble. Day and night, that's all they're doing is engaging in sin. And it gets to the point that I kept sending you more people to, to, to show you the law, to teach you. And the more that I taught you what is right, the more you engaged in sin. There's no break. It, you, just, you just feed on it. It's, it's a craving. It's a desire. It's what seems to just keep you alive, is what God is trying to say. And what do you do? You go out and prostitute yourselves. 
You take these pieces of wood and you carve them into an idol and then you get down on your hands and knees and you worship it. So as a result, God says there's going to be punishment. You're going to be punished for these sins. Now in chapter 6, Hosea brings a call to repentance here. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. So Jose hears all this and he comes to God's people and he says, guys, he says, we have a chance. We have a chance to turn from this. If we're willing to repent, if we're willing to, to pour out our heart to God and say we're sorry and say, God, we need you back in our life. He's, he's going to heal us. He's going to bring the rains. He's going to bless us if we're willing to do this. But as we've been talking through the prophets, again, what do we know? They continue to wander. They hear the words of Hosea, but they continue to reject them. And in chapter 7, God speaks and he says, Whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed. And the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses. Bandits rob in the streets. But they don't realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. And they are always before me. You just keep sinning. And you think that I don't see it. Oh, I see it. I see every single thing that you do. I know every thought in your mind. And you continue to go about hiding in the darkness as if I have no idea what's going on. And God says, oh, I know. I know that you are consumed in your sins. And he goes on further in verse 6. He says, their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with intrigue and their passion smolders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. He goes, that is your heart. It is burning like an oven for sin. But as Hosea continues these charges against God's people, again, we get the blessing here. We get a sense of hope because in chapter 11, he finally, so again, from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 11, it's just charge after charge after charge of their sinfulness. That it takes to chapter 11 where Hosea can finally speak a, a moment of, of possible hope for them. And he says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. Right? I was guiding you all along in this process. And in verse 8 and 9, he says, But how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me and all my compassion is aroused. I will not, I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim once again, for I am God and not a man. I am the Holy One among you. I will not come against these cities. 
See, what, what, what God is saying here, and he's saying, look, there's going to be judgment and there's going to be punishment. You sin and that has to be dealt with. But he reminds them, he says, look, you're my children. And those two cities there, Adma and Zeboim, those were cities that surrounded the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that were also caught up when God sent down fire and brimstone. He, he says, you're, you're my children. And, and what should happen to you is what happened to those cities. But I'm a God of compassion. And my heart is aroused for you. And I don't want to bring ultimate destruction on you. Because see, I'm not like you. I, I have this ability to walk the balance of judgment and, and, and mercy. And that's what I'm going to do because my heart is for my children. So I, I'm going to punish, but I'm going to withhold the full wrath that should be coming against you. And so for all of the heartache and all of the discussion, there's hope. There is hope for God's people. So, so this is what chapter 4 through 13 and chapter 14 is like. It's really a courtroom of God. Where he says, look, here's, here's all the legal facts. Here's all the evidence. Because of what is presented against you, here are now all of the criminal ramifications that's going to happen. But I'm also a judge that is just and righteous and good. And so what I'm going to do is bring judgment, but there's going to be leniency in this process for you. And so now that we understand kind of the legal side, I want to go back to the personal side to see the heart of God. So you can flip all the way back to chapter one now. And now we're going to take a look at this marriage. So again, in chapter one, he, he calls Hosea to marry Gomer. And Gomer is going to be an adulterous wife. And starting in verse three, he says, So he married Gomer, daughter of Debliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel, and in that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again, and she gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should, uh, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or horses, or horsemen, but by their Lord, their God. And after she leaned, lo, Ruhamana, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him lo, Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. And the place where you said to them, You are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be reunited, and they will appoint one leader, and he will come out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Save your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. So he marries Gomer, and Gomer ends up having three kids. And each of the children bear a name that is designed to reflect the heart of God and what's happening between his people. And so Jezreel means to scatter or to sow. And the, the Valley of Jezreel was a place of constant bloodshed. There were numerous battles that went on in this valley. And so it's just littered 
with the blood of dead individuals. It was also the place where uh, Naboth refused to sell his vineyard and he was massacred for it. And and as a result of that, God says, because of what you've done, you're going to be punished. And he raises up Jehu and and he says, you're going to end this dynasty. And this is the place where that happens. But because Jehu's heart is also not in the right place, he is going to see the end of his line as well. So essentially what God is saying to Hosea is this land has only sown destruction. It has only sown violence and sin. And it's going to reap what it sows. And with a second child, it means to be uh, not pitied, to not have mercy, or to not be loved. I mean, think about that for a moment. You name a child not loved. I mean, right out the womb, they're already being rejected. They're already at a disadvantage where a parent is saying, I don't love you. I mean, that's heartbreaking. But this is what God is saying is because you've turned your back on me. You're chasing after the bales and the asherahs and these wooden sticks that you make. And so because of that, I'm going to reject you. I'm not going to love you. And for the third child, he says, it's not my people. And it's very similar to the last idea, whereas whereas the the not loved is more of the personal aspect, whereas the not my people is kind of more of the legal aspect. It's like a father legally disowning his child and saying, I no longer want any part. Where do I sign on the dotted line that legally absolves me of any responsibility for these kids anymore? But all of these children are a wordplay. They're all a wordplay of what God is going to do in the immediate and what God is going to do in the future. Because God is going to scatter his people for their sins. He's going to turn his back on them because they've turned his back on them. But then God is also going to sow into the land. God is also going to bring them back and he's going to call his children back. So in chapter 2... He talks a little bit more about what this is going to look like, though. He again acknowledges the unfaithfulness of Gomer. And starting in verse 5, I want to show you what he says here. He says, Their mother has been unfaithful, and she has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. And therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. And then she will say, I will go back to my husband as first for when I was better off than now. But she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. See, Gomer goes out and she seeks other men. And as she's engaged with these other men, she attributes all of the gifts that she's been given to these other individuals. And she uses them for pagan and false worship, essentially is what God is saying is Israel's doing. As I'm giving you all these gifts and you're just taking them and you're worshiping these false idols with what I have given you. And I want to kind of paint a little picture here. 
Let's think of it like this, that there's Homer. There's now three kids on the scene. And let's just say that, uh, that Homer's sitting there or Jose is sitting there and, and down comes Gomer and let's just put her in a sultry dress. And he looks at her and he's holding the youngest one in his arms and the house is a mess. He's trying to work and he's trying to manage a home because Gomer's not doing her job. And there's dishes all on the sink and there's bills on the table and the kids are crying and he just looks at her and he says, you're going out again tonight? You're going to abandon your, your family? You're just going to leave us here yet again. And you can see the devastation and the heartbreak in Hosea's eyes. You can just see his heart melting away knowing yet again She's going to leave him for someone else. And what does Gomer do? She just quietly turns, leaves, and shuts the door. And there's Hosea all by himself with the kids in the house. But each night she goes out and does this, Hosea leaves a gift on the table for her because he's hoping that she'll come back. He's hoping that she'll realize the marriage covenant that was made. And every night he puts out a gift. But the problem is this, that every night Gomer comes home, she fails to read the tag that says, love, Hosea. All she does is she looks at these gifts and she thinks, this must be from the man that I was with last night. He probably sent me flowers. He sent me chocolates not realizing that it was Hosea every night giving him the gifts. And so time and time again, God is saying, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. I bring the rains, I bring the crops, the prosperity, and all you do is take my gifts and give them to another lover. You exchange my glory and give it to someone else. And God says further in chapter two that she's going to be punished. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take away those blessings because you attribute them to someone else. But after that, in chapter in verse 14, he says this. He says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Therefore, I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There she will sing in the days of her youth as in the days she came up out of Egypt. He says, I'm going to bring her back. I'm going to give hope. I'm going to restore this just as I've done numerous times for my people. And verses 16 through 23 is all about what that restoration is going to look like between Hosea and Gomer. In verse 16, he says, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and you will no longer call me my master. And on the opposite end of verse 23, he says, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one that I called not my loved one. And I will say to those not my people that you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. There, there's going to be a point where we're going to reconcile and we're going to have unity again. And all of this time wanting to be your God, you will finally get to that point where you will call me your God. 
And he says, Hosea, this is what's going to happen with you and Gomer. You're going to have this marriage again. Now, how does this happen? How, how is this reconciliation going to take place? Well, that's what we see in the next chapter here in verse 3. It says this, it said, The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will live with you. For the Israelites will live with many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or idol. And afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord, to his blessings in the last days. So let's go back to that picture that I painted. Gomer left. Hosea is standing there with the kids, heartbroken. And he puts out gift after gift after gift. But then he gets to a point where he says, you know what, enough's enough. He says, I want my wife back and I'm going to go get her. So he calls his parents on the phone. He says, mom, dad, get over here. I'm going to go back and get my wife. I need you to watch the kids. So mom and dad show up and he says, there, there they are. They're in bed. They should be fine. He says, I'm going out and I'm going to go find my wife. And he goes out and he tracks her down. And he finds out what house she's in. She, he finds out what, what man she's with. And he goes in and he kicks in the door. And there she is, caught red-handed, frolicking with a man in bed. And all of the laughter and all of the fun that was going on in the room is now silent. Because all Gomer can do is stare at her husband. She has been caught in the act of adultery. And Hosea says, go ahead, Gomer. I want you to do something. Ask him. Go ahead, ask him. Ask him what? Ask him if the flowers on the table were from him. Ask him if the chocolate's on the table. Ask him if the note was from him. And so Gomer looks at the man. Were these from you? Wait, you, you don't love me? See, he was just in it for the pleasure. And Hosea says, that's right, Gomer. None of these men ever loved you. But he says, take my hand. Get out of bed. Because I loved you. Because I am your husband. And Gomer takes her hand. She gets out of bed. And Hosea reaches into his pocket and he grabs some money and he throws it onto the bed. And he says, whatever you paid for the night, I've paid you back. We're even. And you will never see my wife again because she's coming home to live with me. And Gomer goes home with Hosea. And they live happily ever after. And God takes that marriage and he says to my, his children, that is my love for you. 
I take the broken marriage that has happened between you and I, and God says, I'm going to restore it. And the book of Hosea closes in chapter 14 with this. He says, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all of our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our hands have made. For in you the fatherless, for in you the fatherless and find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. We will send down all of his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade and he will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine and his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. He says, return to me, Israel. Come back to me, my children. Get to the point where you realize all of this stuff that you've chased it after have have just been a, a fallacy, have been worthless. And when you come back to me, when you come back to me, I will restore you. It'll be like the beauty of the lily flower. It, it, it'll be like the, the tree that is firmly rooted in me and there will be blessing and there will be prosperity for you. All of the riches that come from the olives, the sweet aroma will just pour forth again from the land. And he says, you're going to get to live under the shade of my protection, under my tree. And you don't ever, ever have to worry about anything ever again. And that's what it's like for Hosea and Gomer. When she comes back home, they work through their issues. And they have this blessed marriage. One of joy and happiness. She becomes the wife that she's supposed to be. She becomes the mother that she's supposed to be. And God says to his, to his children, he says, I am your God and I will love you. But I love how he ends in verse 9 there. He says what? If you are wise. If you are wise. If you hear what I am saying. You'll realize that you need to turn back to me. Because the righteous will follow me and the rebellious will continue to turn away. And so Hosea says, do what is right. Stop sinning. Stop the idolatry. Stop walking away from me. Hosea is a beautiful picture of God's love and covenant faithfulness to his people, despite what they have done. Hosea is a beautiful picture of God's redeeming love from brokenness and hurt and pain in this world. Hosea is a beautiful picture of God's long suffering and patience to have his children back. And just as Hosea went out and he allured Gomer back and he went out and he bought her back, 
God's done the same thing to us. See, what did God do? God sent his son out into the cover of darkness and he sent him into the garden. And when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, Christ prayed and Christ prayed for us. And then he was beaten and he was mocked and he was whipped. And just as Hosea paid a price for Gomer to have her back, Christ said, I'm going to pay the price too. But it's not going to be with silver or barley. It's going to be with my own life. And in 1 Peter, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without defect or blemish. Christ said, I'm going to buy you back. And the cost is going to be my blood at the cross. So Hosea is much more than just a prophet bringing judgment. It's much more than just a, a, a wandering and adulterous wife. It's God showing us what ultimate salvation looks like. And so just as Hosea ends with, again, who is wise, we have that same question, don't we? If we are wise and we hear these words from the book of Hosea, we would do the same thing. That we would see the sinfulness of our human heart and realize the only way to be back in a beautiful marriage with God is to accept the blood of Christ at the cross. Because the reality is this, guys. We have all laid in bed with sin, have we not? We've all turned our hearts to another lover. We have all taken God's glory and given it to someone else. But God graciously extends his hand to us. And he says, if you take my hand and you come back home, we will have our own happily ever after for all of eternity. And you will be my children and I will be your God. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. Lord, because even now we walk. We walk in, in filth. Lord, we, we turn our backs on you thinking that something else is going to be better. We get angry at you and we storm out the door and we go find someone else. Lord, we take your goodness and we pervert it. Lord, we take all of the blessings that you give and we go out and attribute it to something else. So Lord, I, first and foremost, I pray for each one of us, including my own heart. Lord, convict me of my sins and where I need to repent. Lord, if I don't know where I'm wandering, Lord, then send your spirit to open my eyes to that. And Lord, when I become aware of it, that I would get down on my knees and cry out to you and say, God, take me back. And Lord, in that same moment, I praise you, God, because it doesn't matter what I have done, what I will do. It doesn't matter how bad we think we are. You are always willing to bring us back into your arms. Let us have that kind of relationship that we just love you 
for the end of time. Amen.